Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It is the day before Thanksgiving, and the great one, Mark Levin, is off tonight, but it is me, Rich Zioli, from WPHD in Philadelphia. Great to be back with you as some breaking news about Fauci is coming out just as we go on the air tonight. 877-381-3811 is the number, my fellow Levinites. It's great to be back with you. Uh, And, of course, the media today twisting themselves into pretzels to avoid that they got the narrative of the shooter in Colorado completely wrong after blaming Trump and Tucker Carlson and me and Mark Levin and everybody else on the right for this awful tragedy. Because what Democrats do, they exploit. They exploit for their agenda and their narrative. And we heard this for the last several days. Nancy Pelosi, that vile woman coming out and suggesting that this was, again, more MAGA. And MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of them, going all in on the talking points that the shooter was a right-wing extremist. And he was motivated by the kind of hatred, you know, for people like me who question whether or not our kids should be learning about transgender ideology in kindergarten, whether or not it's okay to give children puberty blockers and uh, mutilate their bodies in order to uh, make the agenda of the left happy. And, of course, the answer to those things is, uh, no, we should not do those things to our children. They are our children And we should stop indoctrinating them with drag queen shows and drag queen brunches. And we should never, ever let them take puberty blockers or hurt themselves with life altering surgeries. But if you say those things like I say those things like you probably say those things, well, then you are pushing the exact hateful narrative that led this guy to shoot up that club in Colorado. Except here's the thing. What we learned about this guy is he identifies as non-binary. He identifies as they, them. So what is non-binary exactly? Non-binary is part of the transgender ideology. It's somebody that doesn't have a gender or may have multiple genders, may have no gender at all. So you could be both a man and a woman or just zero gender, but you're non-binary. And that's how this this alleged shooter, the suspect in this uh, awful tragedy, that's how the suspect goes by and will be identified in court as they slash them. And for example, you might go by he or she, but you but some people actually say they have multiple genders and therefore they want to go by the pronouns they them. And of course, America now it's all the rage to tell everybody your pronouns like anyone cares. But people put it in their email signatures. People put it in their LinkedIn profiles. People put it on uh, their resumes now. They, I don't first of all, I don't really care what your pronoun is. But the fact that you feel the need to tell somebody is the same virtue signaling wokeness from the people that have the hate has no home here signs on their lawn. And the we believe in science signs. It's the same exact thing. Well, this shooter identifies as they them. And has multiple genders, apparently, and apparently was a frequent uh, member of going to that gay club uh, that was the site of this tragedy in Colorado. 
But of course, it did not stop the media. Everybody from every major network and Democrat politicians from capitalizing on it, what they do to push their narrative that if you are not all in on the transgender ideology, not only are you a bad person, you're enabling the kind of hate that leads to violence. That and guns, of course. I mean, always guns. They'll never get away from that with the guns. But that's where we begin today on the Mark Levin Show. We begin right there. And Nancy Pelosi is just the worst. She really is the worst. I, I can't wait till the Republicans take over in January. I'm so excited. I really am. I'm so excited for the oversight into Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm so excited for the oversight into Hunter Biden and the laptop and all of Hunter Biden's crimes. I'm excited for the oversight into Alejandro Mayorkas and the Biden administration. You know, Joe Biden today, again, extending student debt repayment, student loan debt repayment till August of 2023 as he tries to evade the courts, do an end run around the courts because his student loan plan, his debt relief is, of course, unconstitutional and it's put on hold by the federal courts. But Biden doesn't believe in following the law like like most Democrats. He doesn't believe in following the courts. He does whatever he wants. So he's done an end run around them by turning around and saying, well, you don't have to pay. So don't worry about paying your student loans or your interest. Don't worry about it till at least the Supreme Court can rule on it. And at least until June, possibly August of 2023. But we'll come back to that. After that awful shooting in Colorado, this is what Nancy Pelosi said. She blamed MAGA Republicans, of course, for the shooting. She put out a lengthy statement saying, horrified by such shameless bigotry, House Democrats are proud to march alongside our trans friends, neighbors, and siblings as we work to uphold justice for all. That is why we have enacted fully inclusive federal hate crime protections and twice passed the Equality Act, she said. And she put out a, a full statement on Transgender Day of Remembrance. As our nation marks Transgender Day of Remembrance, we mourn the countless Americans stolen away by the scourge of transphobic violence, a crisis that continues to disproportionately harm trans people of color. She's checking all the woke boxes right there with that one. Today and every day, let us offer comfort to grieving loved ones, honor the memory of those killed, and continue fighting to save lives from the wicked forces of hate. The fight remains more urgent than ever, she says, as right-wing extremists target transgender Americans' most fundamental rights and freedoms. Whether spouting dangerous rhetoric from cable news desks or openly bullying school children from the halls of power, MAGA Republicans are cruelly undermining the safety and well-being of our transgender community. Horrified by such shameless bigotry, House Democrats are proud to march alongside our trans friends, neighbors, and siblings as we work to uphold justice and dignity for all. And she goes on about all the hate crime laws that she passed and will continue to pass. And then she says, heartbroken for so many beautiful souls murdered by hate and guided by relentless activists across the country, let us renew our resolve to build the future that our children deserve. Together, we will forge a safer, more just America, one where all of its people can freely and proudly exercise their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, everybody, but the unborn, of course, obviously, because she hates them. But uh, but it turns out the guy is, is not a MAGA Republican, not even close to being a mega MAGA Republican. But that didn't stop the media from going all in as well. Pelosi was the first and the highest Democrat to come out and say something about it. And then when it came out that the alleged shooter is non-binary, which is a member of the transgender community, the CNN anchors were shocked to find this out and didn't know how to address it. 
So they didn't address it, obviously. And the media narrative will go away, and they've just stopped talking about this now. Now that they find out the shooter's actually one of theirs, one of their own, they'll just completely change the subject. They'll shift to something else. Because it doesn't fit the narrative that it's the right-wing hate machine that led this person to do this awful, despicable, evil act. And once they lose that narrative, well, what's the point of talking about it? So here's the CNN anchors, Allison Camerata and Errol Lewis on CNN, shocked to find out the Colorado shooter is non-binary. Cut number seven. So attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Errol Lewis, also back with me, Al Franken and Joe Walsh. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background. And uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I no. mean, you know, I don't know if, the, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, th- that's what he's now saying. It, I don't it know sounds like they're trying. Doesn't go with the narrative. I don't know what to say. She's shocked. I, I don't know. What, what do we say? I mean, it doesn't go with the narrative. So uh, I nobody's told me what to say. The cor- corporate media hasn't given me my talking points yet. So <laughs> I'm at a loss. Ooh, that's awkward. That's uncomfortable. Oof. Gee, uh, somebody tell me in my ear what I'm supposed to say, please. Please. How do I how do I spin this? Because prior to that point, of course, you had people on MSNBC, for example, blaming Tucker Carlson and right wing radio hosts as well. And saying that they should face civil consequences. It's their fault, you see, that this guy did what he did. Here's this guy, Frank Figaluzzi, who I call him Fugazi because he's a fraud, on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace, cut number nine. We need to see accountability and consequences. So first, a real quick hate crime charge here on top of the homicide charges. I applaud that. That tells me prosecutors and police, they found quickly what they needed. That means they know this was a biased crime. This is likely, and since we've heard reports that the subject isn't cooperating with police, that means they likely found clear and convincing evidence on his devices. If he's a consumer of the people we just rattled off, from Lauren Boebert to Tucker Carlson, let's get it out. Let's get it out at trial. Let's expose it for what it is, name it and shame it. He's a consumer of these people, and those people should should face civil consequences from the victims. the other thing they, they want to deny is not only the, the safe harbor, but the way we resolve this. And by that, I mean, you know, you asked earlier, how do we how do we put a stop to hate? Well, one of the things you would normally do is teach young children in school. Um, here's what race is about here. Here's these other people over here who may seem different to you. Um, they have a different orientation. But you know what? Increasingly, states are saying, no, no, no. You can't talk about race or say the word gay or teach anything in, in schools. So, so they deny yeah. the, the resolution mechanism that we would normally use. Let me tell you what that means. What that means is that if you oppose, as Governor DeSantis did, for example, uh, teaching our children this woke agenda of transgenderism and all these other things in the classroom, then you are actually emboldening hate. And the answer to it is to allow that to be taught to kids in the earliest ages. Like my state of New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, where I, uh, where I live, and I broadcast in Philly, but live in South Jersey, they passed a similar bill, not to DeSantis's bill. They, they passed a bill that would start teaching children as early as first grade 
all kinds of different things. You know, what a vulva is and how Johnny may really be Susie. And you hear all these doctors out there now from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Boston Children's Hospital, all across the country, going out there and saying things like children know that they're non-binary and might be transgender as early as three. Heck, they might even know in the womb. Of course, that would be acknowledging that they're actually children in the womb. So they try to avoid saying that. But they do. They say three years old, kid knows, a boy knows he's really a girl. And they push this out there. What that guy was just saying on MSNBC was the answer to uh, making sure there's no more shootings like this is to start indoctrinating the kids as early as possible. And that's what they want. They want indoctrination in our schools. They want the school system to embrace this stuff. And if you say no to that, you're somebody like me who stands up and says, no, we are not teaching our children that they're actually boys when they're girls. We're not playing this game. We're not putting the woke agenda into our classrooms. You're perpetuating a culture of hate. Don't you understand? They have to indoctrinate our kids so we don't have shootings like this. And he also mentions race, too, because, of course, they all want CRT, critical race theory, taught to our kids in public schools as well. It's the indoctrination of the children. So they're not only politicizing the tragedy to go after right wing, quote unquote, right wing media and Donald Trump and MAGA and everything else. They're also politicizing the tragedy to push this curriculum on our children in schools. And it's out. It's just absolutely shameful. And there's more. I have barely scratched the surface of the craziness that has been spewed on the networks in the last several days. And now how quickly it has all gone away once they learn the truth about the alleged shooter in Colorado. 877-381-3811 if you want to weigh in. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from Philadelphia. In for the great one, coming right back. Mark Levin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You see, as you know, the left has this agenda, which is, of course, to politicize every tragedy to advance their own agenda. And usually it's gun control. I mean, that's usually top of mind. But lately we've heard so much about mega MAGA and all the hate and Trump and everything else. So this looked like a very convenient way for them to come out and trash everybody on the right because of the hateful rhetoric. But it's also something else that's very, very chilling that's happening. And that is Randy Weingarten. She's the little troll under the bridge who runs the National Teachers Union. And she's one of the people at the forefront of the indoctrination of our kids. She wants our kids to be indoctrinated with critical race theory and with all this 
transgender sex education stuff that we're finding in public schools now. And she, along with Merrick Garland, if you remember, the National School Boards Association sent out that letter about a year and a half ago, literally threatening parents. You know, if you come to school board meetings and you speak up, well, the FBI just might be in the back of the room watching you. So uh, I'd sit there and zip it if I were you. And what's the goal of that, of course? The FBI agents weren't really going to be in the back of the school board meetings, but it was to intimidate them into silence. And that's what the modern day left does. They intimidate people into silence. So if you were at a school board meeting a year and a half ago and you were standing up and saying, I don't want my kids in masks. I don't want my kids getting a COVID shot. I want my kids in school. You were saying those things and you might have been passionate about it. Well, you might be a terrorist. You might be a terrorist if you are saying those things on Facebook or Twitter. You might be a domestic violence extremist. And so we're going to watch you. We're going to monitor you. And so what happens? Oh, most people can't deal with that in their lives. They've got jobs. They've got standing in their community. So they just stay quiet. They don't voice their opposition. They just sit home and be quiet so that nobody thinks that they're actually a domestic violent extremist, which is the new talking point of the left. And then, of course, the left wins. Because people are really beaten down into silence by this threat of maybe a big black SUV showing up at their house and armed agents coming in and harassing them and arresting them in front of their kids. Like what happened to a pro-life leader in Bucks County recently. It's what happens to people in this country all the time nowadays. The FBI and the Department of Justice have become incredibly weaponized and they are pushing the agenda of the left. So the National Teachers Union, well, they're all in on this indoctrination. And the latest thing now is if you oppose sex education in schools, particularly for young children, if you oppose these things, well, then you are giving aid and comfort to hate and the kind of violent extremism that is taking over America. So not only should you be quiet and not say anything in opposition to this, you should embrace it. You should encourage it. You should want to go to drag queen story hour and drag queen brunches with your kids because that's how you'll teach tolerance and understanding. And that's how you'll make sure that there's no hatred. You think I'm kidding? They actually brought that up. They brought about the drag brunches and talking about this. And I'll play you that audio in our in our little bit later in the show here on the Mark Levin show. But they brought that up, saying that those who oppose those things like, again, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for example, who came out and said that we should not be doing this. We should not be having drag queen story hour in our schools. And he went after restaurants that were doing this when allowing children to be around this stuff. I mean, a drag queen story hour, somebody dressing up like a drag queen in front of children doesn't work for me. But I don't want anybody to be killed. I just don't want my kids to be exposed to that stuff. But you see how the left equates the two? That by me being opposed to it, I'm actually encouraging violence. It's shameful. And we're going to talk more about it. 877-381-3811. It's Rich Zioli in for the great one coming right back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The voice of sanity in an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Why the effort then to consistently say that right-wing, quote-unquote, right-wing media is filled with hate? Where does this come from? Welcome back. This is the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight getting his Thanksgiving celebration started. And it's me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHC in Philadelphia with you where I host the Afternoon Drive show every day, and it's uh, just an honor to be filling in for my buddy Mark Levin. Mark, of course, is a Philly guy, so this is his hometown and his hometown station, so it's always an honor when he calls me up. Uh, you know, it's uh, it goes with this idea of getting you to be quiet, and this brings me to Twitter and Elon Musk. The very same forces in the media the last several days who've been saying that MAGA and right-wing hate and everything else, that this is what led to the shooting, are also the ones that are saying that Elon Musk now reinstating, for example, libs of TikTok. You may not be familiar with them. I don't know if you're on Twitter or not. I am. You can follow me at Rich Zeoli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Uh, libs of TikTok, for example, does a great job of exposing the insanity that's happening right now in America, particularly in our classrooms where you've got these crazy teachers pushing just leftist indoctrination on our kids. And Libs of TikTok does a great job showing this. There's the Babylon Bee. You're probably familiar with them. They are a satirical site, usually making jokes about the left, and they do a great job with it. They have a very Christian perspective, and I think they're hilarious. Well, they were banned on Twitter for hate. Libs of TikTok was banned on Twitter for hate. Dr. Jordan Peterson, who's a Canadian professor, was also banned on Twitter for, you guessed it, hate because they're not buying into the leftist ideology. Well, Elon Musk has reinstated them, and they're now back on Twitter along with former President Donald Trump. And for that, there was an NBC News reporter who was out there saying, oh, the hatred is just now. By Elon allowing them to be on this site and spew hate, people are going to die. This becomes the way the left gets you to submit and be compliant. By arguing that people will die if you use the kind of words that are critical of what they want to talk about. For example, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was out there saying who the greatest threat in the world is. Greatest threat in the world. And he said it's actually not who you may think. So over the weekend, he said one of the most important issues facing Americans is education. And we have to make sure that we are not teaching our kids crap in schools, his quote. And he laid into former AT, or the ATF president, Randy Weingarten, the little troll under the bridge, the American Federation of Teachers. He said, <clears throat> I get asked, who's the most dangerous person in the world? Is it Chairman Kim? Is it Xi Jinping? The most dangerous person in the world is American Teacher Federation president, Randy Weingarten. It's not a close call, he said. If you ask who's the most likely to take this republic down, it would be the teachers union. And the filth that they are teaching our kids and the fact that they don't know math and reading or writing. How did she respond to that? I'll tell you in a second. Pompeo said, if our kids don't grow up understanding America is an exceptional nation, we're done. If they think it's an oppressor class 
and then a press class, if they think the 1619 Project and we were founded on a racist idea, those are the things people in the seventh grade learn and become deeply embedded in their understanding of America. It's difficult to understand how Xi Jinping's claim that America is in decline won't prove true. I completely agree with him, by the way. I really do. I completely agree. If the, our kids are taught, and that's where, remember, the clip I played you before from that guy, Frank uh, Fugazi on MSNBC, when he said, we have to teach our children in school about race and about sex and gender and everything else. They want to teach our kids the 1619 Project, which, of course, Mark Levin is exposed to be a fraud on multiple occasions. But what does it say? It says America is a hateful place. We've got to atone. We've got to apologize. Reparations, yada, yada, yada. And now it's also with the sex education stuff. We've got to understand that boys can really be girls and girls can really be boys. And you can chop parts off and you can add parts to you and everything else. And if you don't do those things, you are allowing a culture of hate. Now, I, I think that those things are incredibly destructive. I actually agree with something Bill Maher said recently. They brought up the quote unquote, don't say gay bill in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis signed. It never says don't say gay. Does not say that. Just says we're not going to teach our kids this kind of stuff until they are much older. We're not going to start indoctrinating them. We're not going to start teaching them about gay and straight and sex and all the transgender and all that until they're much older. We're going to keep it out of the lower grades. It was a very good bill. It's a bill I think every state in the country should adopt. But they, it was labeled as don't say gay. Disney bought all in with that. They opposed it. All these woke corporations opposed it. Disney, of course, paid a price for that. Their CEO was axed because Disney's profits have been hurt because of their wokeness. Well, they hate Ron DeSantis so much, and they're terrified of him, and they see how popular he is in Florida for battling this wokeism, and they, they, they hate him for it so much. So now the teachers' union and other groups come out and say, well, you've got to push this stuff, and if you don't, you're being intolerant, and you're, you're going to fuel violence. And if you criticize Randy Weingarten... You're also fueling violence, and that's what she said. She said, quote, Pompeo is desperate to be labeled as an extremist in the Republican presidential primary. He's using the same strategy, the extremist strategy that didn't work for them in 2018, 2020, and 2022. And he's flooding the zone with misinformation. And what's dangerous about that is it will lead to violence. He's decided to use his campaign to foment hate and division. Now, he's not... A, running for president. He's not announced he's running for president, but you see what I mean? If you criticize Randy Weingarten, you criticize the teachers unions, you criticize the indoctrination of our children in public schools, you will lead someone to do violence. Just your very criticism of them, your opposition to what they want will lead to violence. And that's been the narrative for days. And it, it's not new, though. This is not new. This is what they want us to do. They want us to kneel down in submission, afraid to speak out, because we may we may be leading to violence. We, we, we could possibly foment the kind of violence that could lead to a shooting of a nightclub. Bill Maher said the other day in response to what Ron DeSantis did, he said it was never the don't say gay bill. If anything, you could have said the let's go back to what we were teaching them five years ago, Bill. There was all it did was just say, let's just be normal. Let's just be normal. Let's just not teach our kids this kind of crazy stuff in the classroom. And you know what? Every parent that I talk to, because I have three kids, three young kids who are all in school, and every parent that I talk to at either pick up or drop off, and usually I can't do pick up because I'm on in the afternoons, but today was a half day, so I got to do it. And every parent that I talk to says the same thing. They are really worried about this curriculum in the classroom.
just like they were really worried about masks and vaccine mandates. And just like they were really worried about their kids not being in school, they're really worried about this new curriculum and they want to fight back against it. But the left is very, very good at making parents be quiet where they have to speak in hushed whispers and they're afraid to post on Facebook and they're afraid to post on Twitter. The good news, though, is I don't think it's working. In this past election, I know that it did not go the way a lot of us wanted it to across the country, but there were lots of glimmers of hope where conservatives running for school board elections all throughout the country won their races. They flipped several counties in Florida in New Jersey. They had an incredible night. My buddy Josh Akins, he does this group, Arise NJ. He told me that they won like 450 seats in the state of conservative minded people who would be running for school board elections and then won their races. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's great, great progress towards getting conservatives onto these school boards. And even in towns where Republicans lost, Republicans or conservatives running for the school board election still won, which tells you something. Republicans should not be afraid to call this stuff out. They should not hide from it. They should, in fact, embrace it head on. And we have to embrace the government's work on getting us afraid to speak out because there is a massive massive campaign to silence us all under the guise of a word that randy weingarten used disinformation or misinformation whichever they want to call it the goal is to silence us that's why they hate elon musk for bringing back libs of tiktok and jordan peterson and donald trump and the babylon b and many other conservative opinion makers because they want to silence people into submission this nbc reporter actually went out there and said that by Elon Musk allowing libs of TikTok back on, he has allowed the same culture to spew violence in America. There's no evidence of that, but there doesn't have to be for them to make these charges. They just say these things and everybody nods their head in agreement and the clapping seals on the view all clap in the audience and they go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sounds great. And it's, it's a lie, of course. But that's the goal. Think back to Nina Jankowitz and the, the Governance Disinformation Board, where they were going to have active campaigns to make sure you were not putting out stuff that the government didn't want you to say. We know what they did with Hunter Biden's laptop story. We know that they had the po- Politico story about 50 former intelligence officials, many of whom, in my opinion, who should be in prison, all came out to say it's Russian disinformation. All the hallmarks of a classic Russian disinformation plot. And what a big tech do. Big tech. Facebook, Twitter, all these other sites, they wound up suppressing it. The COVID lab leak theory, they suppressed that too. You could not actively go out there and tell people that you thought COVID-19 came from a lab. You couldn't question the vaccines. You couldn't question whether or not kids should have the vaccines. All that will be labeled. There'd be warnings on it. You would get kicked off Twitter. You'd go into Twitter prison, Facebook prison, and then they would just ban people. Elon Musk takes over Twitter, and now he's allowing people back on and to actually talk about things again. And in response to that, he's accused of setting the stage for the violent, tragic, evil act that happened in Colorado over the weekend. Because people should not be allowed to speak freely, you understand. The left hates that. They hate dissent. So they'll actually use this notion of saying you should be quiet because if you're not quiet, your words could lead to violent acts. Here's what I mean by that. This is um, another clip that I have for you from the just plethora of clips here on the Mark Levin Show from over the weekend with the the nonsense that was said here. Here is that NBC News reporter, Zedrosny, 
blaming right-wing conservatives for the LGBT clubs, club killings. Uh, cut 15. Yeah, so uh, the LGBT community has always been a subject of hatred for a certain brand of fringe kind of person, right? But something happened in March and April of this year. And in March and April of this year, as the far right-wing conservatives sort of got over CRT or critical race theory, they needed a new boogeyman. And they leapt on LGBTQ community members, specifically trans people, their doctors, their caregivers, libraries that had books that were LGBT LGBT focused. Um, This was really just sort of the cause celebre on the far right. Um, Since April, we've also seen a one-to-one correlation with um, violence, harassment, assaults, real-world violence in this community. Pride events were disrupted. There were 31 uh, neo-Nazis were arrested back in August at a pride event in Ohio and Idaho. Um, librarians being assaulted, uh, trans librarians being assaulted. It's just been really, really bad, and it, the rhetoric has ramped up so much that it's um, people that we were talking to since April about this that were the subject of this they were saying repeatedly we're waiting for an instance of real world violence where people are going to get killed so if you oppose for example a book in your school's library you know the book that has graphic sexual acts depicted or something like that you might as well be out there causing violence yourself and so you have to just accept whatever the left wants in the classroom Whatever curriculum they want, whatever books they want, whatever they want to show your kids, you better accept it because otherwise you are fomenting violence. Got it? That's a way to get you into submission. It's a way to get you to go to the school board meeting or not go to the school board meeting and just say nothing about it. Your kid in eighth grade brings home a book where it's got a graphic depiction of a sexual act between two men, two women, a man and a woman, whatever, and you speak out against it. Well, you know, you're you're sowing the seeds for hatred. You're sowing the seeds for hatred. NBC's Ben Collins. Those drag brunches that Governor Ron DeSantis has so been critical. Come on, this is this is this is fine. This is totally fine. This teaches tolerance. Why would you be opposed to having little kids sit around men dressed as women while you're having brunch in these hypersexualized events? Why would you be opposed to this? Cut fourteen. Hours before a, a, what they called an all ages drag brunch, which is probably the number one target of these uh, anti-LGBTQ um, uh, events recently. Like, for example, the Proud Boys will go and protest any drag brunch, any um, any drag story hour, anything that a child might go to meet a, a drag queen, not, you know, just to show them that they're human beings and people. They talk, they, they go there and they, they read Dr. Seuss there. They read uh, regular books, uh, but it's read by a drag queen and they, you know, they have breakfast. Uh, it is not some hypersexual event, but that's what it's viewed as on the far right. And these spaces have become dangerous places of real life information warfare. There's Proud Boys showing up on one side. Sometimes people like local Antifa members show up on the other side as a as a way to it. It, be, it becomes a place where kids aren't safe, not because of the event itself, but because of this culture war that's been propped up. Uh, on top of it, uh, and uh, that's not something that should happen. This is not something you know. These people should be able to live their lives uh, without fear of being murdered, literally. Uh, but right now, that's the sort of climate that's been created by uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, protesters and, frankly, bigots. 
we got a lot more to say on this. But again, if you oppose those things, well, you want people to die. Now you know. And you're just like the Proud Boys and these other groups, so you better keep silent. This is the Mark Levin Show. The great one's off tonight. Rich Zioli with you coming right back. Mark Levin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Of course, you know, when you are a dad and you've got three young kids, you um, you learn lots of things about what's on parents' minds. You really do. And particularly as we're heading into Thanksgiving, I was also just kind of curious if people were afraid of COVID because, you know, we're hearing again all the stories about, well, you got to put your masks back on again. And everybody I know is over it. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm just I'm over it. And Fauci yesterday had his big uh, farewell swan song at the White House. There's a lot of questions for Fauci. Fauci's not going anywhere. I'm going to get into this in the next hour on the Mark Levin Show because there's new emails that came out about what really Fauci may know about gain-of-function research and the origins of COVID-19. But I noticed something, and that is that in the last 48 hours or so, once again, we're hearing all the nonsense about masks and variants and this and that and the other thing. And then Biden did something not surprising. He extended the student loan debt repayment till August. Why? Because of COVID. Because COVID, as I say, cause COVID. This is why the pandemic will really never end for these people. This is all about the money. It's all about controlling the money. And that's what they do. They control the money and they don't want to give up the control. So as long as they can say there's a pandemic and we're not in a pandemic anymore, there's a, it's an endemic now. COVID is like the flu. It's going to be around. We're going to deal with it. We'll have good days and bad days, but it's not a pandemic anymore. It's an endemic. But as long as they can say it's a pandemic and say it's an emergency, they can control everything. They can control the money. They can control their power. They can control you. And that's what they want to do. That's why no matter what, they're always going to keep saying those things. They're always going to keep saying those things. And now Biden has once again defied the courts by extending the student loan debt repayment till next summer. Why? Because he's lawless. That's why he's absolutely lawless. I'm going to break that down for you and what the Republicans need to do to hold Dr. Anthony Fauci accountable. This is the Mark Levin Show. The great one's off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. We are coming right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. 
Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So Fauci will face the fire of the Republican Oversight Committee, and that's a good, good thing. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It is me, Rich Zioli, your fellow Levinite, where I broadcast from WPHT in Philadelphia with you tonight. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope you have a safe trip wherever you're going. Possibly, maybe you're heading there right now. But have a safe trip. I want to share with you because, you know, yesterday or the day before, all the days run together these days, it seems, especially in holiday week, doesn't it? Uh, Fauci got his swan song send off at the White House and nobody was allowed to ask him questions. It was that Daily Caller reporter who tried to ask him about the origins of COVID and was promptly shot down by Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. And there was another reporter that tried to defend her and say, hey, listen, why don't you answer to a legitimate question? And she lectured everybody and you know spent so much time lecturing the press corps. Uh, Fauci will not ever face questions from media outlets that actually want to ask him things like gain of function research. But. Steve Scalise, the incoming majority leader for the Republicans, he said that one of their priorities is going to be oversight of the Hunter Biden case, uh, the border, and also Fauci, too, getting to the bottom of Fauci and what Fauci knows and when Fauci learned it. Well, just before I came on air tonight, as I was wrapping up my afternoon drive show in Philadelphia on 1210, I saw this story from TheBlaze.com. Newly unredacted correspondence between Fauci and top scientists reveal early efforts to shift the narrative on COVID-19's possible lab origins, despite the uncertainty of that. And the author of this piece, Joseph McKinnon, writes, it's clear from newly unredacted communications between top scientists that early in the pandemic, there was a coordinated push to downplay the possibility that COVID-19 originated in a lab and to instead bolster then unsubstantiated claims that the virus had naturally made the trans species jump to humans, you know, from a bat to a to a human being. I think I think it was uh, some guy went to the wet market in Wuhan, right, ordered an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin French fries. And that's what started the whole pandemic. And that's what you were supposed to say. And if you said those things, you were rewarded by the media but if you said the lab leak, it came from a lab, well, that was racist and they told you to shut up about it. But you could absolutely suggest that the awful eating habits of the people of Wuhan started the pandemic and that was OK. In fact, that's the only thing you were allowed to say back then. Through a freedom of information lawsuit, Guardian reporter Jimmy Tobias obtained newly unredacted emails detailing both the February 1st, 2020 teleconference between Dr. Anthony Fauci director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and virologists discussing the SARS-CoV-2 virus, as well as correspondence pertaining to COVID-19's possible origins. After a long FOIA fight, he tweets out, I just received a bunch of new unredacted emails detailing this teleconference. Emily Kopp, a reporter with the nonprofit investigative research group U.S. Right to Know, has incorporated these findings into an extensive and detailed timeline concerning the proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2. She noted that in February 2020, when the aforementioned teleconference took place, 
Several top virologists sought to examine the nature of the coronavirus that would go on to kill tens of millions of people worldwide. Although they ultimately concluded in the journal Nature Medicine that the virus had not been engineered, stating, quote, we do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible. Behind the scenes, there was a great deal of doubt. Many of the scientists who were attempting to account for the origin of the furin cleavage site on the virus's spike protein, responsible for its relatively high infectivity, were confronted with the strong possibility of human intervention. U.S. Right to Know reported that in January 2020, Danish evolutionary biologist and Scripps Research Institute immunology professor Christian G. Anderson raised the matter of a gain-of-function study that looked like a how-to manual for building the Wuhan coronavirus in a laboratory. He reportedly directed British evolutionary biologist and virologist Edward Holmes to the furin cleavage site between the S1 and S2 junctions, which had features characteristic of genetic engineering. The furin cleavage site is a place in a virus cell where furin protease enzymes split the spike, the spike protein. That's the hook that binds to these ACE2 receptors on the outer surface of human cells. So owing to this splice, the spike can bind to a second receptor facilitating the virus's entry into the human cell. I know it's a little complicated, and I'm not a doctor, nor am I a biologist. If I were a biologist, I would know what a woman is, right? Many scientists believe that furin cleavage sites, such as those seen in COVID-19, are not naturally occurring, which gives credibility to the increasingly strong theory that the virus originated in a laboratory. Of course it did, by the way. He reportedly, one of the guys on this conference reportedly responded by saying, F... This is bad. And not just the letter F, but the word. You know the word I'm talking about, obviously. F, this is bad. On January 31st, 2020, Anderson wrote to Fauci, quote, you have to look very closely at the genome to see features that are potentially engineered. I should mention that after discussions earlier today, Eddie Holmes, Bob Gary, and Mike Fazin and myself all find the genome to be inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. In a February 2nd, 2020 email to Francis Collins, the former director of the National Institutes of Health, British medical researcher Jeremy Farrar attached comments provided by Michael Farzan, professor and chair at the Department of Immunology and Microbiology at the Scripps Research Institute, and this guy Bob Gary, who is a professor of microbiology and immunology at the Tulane School of Medicine. They indicated that uh, the one guy was bothered by the furin site and has a hard time explaining that as an event, this could have occurred outside the lab. Hmm. He noted, as stated in the email, a likely explanation could be something as simple as a uh, a passaging SARS-like COVID-2 in tissue culture on human cell lines for an extended period of time, accidentally creating a virus that would be primed for rapid transmission between humans via gain of furin site, and adaptation to the human receptor via repeated passage. In other words, by tinkering with this with gain-of-function research, you could have absolutely created this virus in a lab that would then become something that would be primed for rapid transmission. You create Frankenstein's monster to see how you would fight Frankenstein in the forest. As he's destroying the village, you turn around and go, maybe we shouldn't have created Frankenstein's monster just to learn how to defeat Frankenstein because... We wouldn't have had to worry about defeating Frankenstein if we'd never created Frankenstein's monster. 
But these idiots did. They worked really hard to create this virus through gain-of-function research. And one of the things the House Republicans have to do is hold Fauci's feet to the fire under oath about gain-of-function research. Because I think it's very obvious he's broken several federal laws here with regard to bans on gain-of-function research, particularly in labs like Wuhan, China. So in this uh, exchange, the one guy says, I, I think it becomes a question of, How do you put all this together? Whether you believe in the series of coincidences, what you know of the lab in Wuhan, how much could be in nature, accidental release or natural event? I am 70-30 or 60-40 that this was, you know, an accidental release. And the other guy stated in an email, you were doing gain-of-function research. You would not use an existing clone of SARS or MERS, that other virus, you remember, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, These viruses are already human pathogens. What you would do is close a bat virus that has not yet emerged. Maybe then pass it in human cells for a while to lock in the RBS. Then you reclone it, put in the mutations that you're interested in, one of the first of a uh, cleavage site. I know I'm saying the word cleavage a lot, and I don't mean the cleavage the way you're thinking of it. I mean human lines. I don't want you to think that I'm being inappropriate. The children might be in the car. On the basis of the comments, he wrote, on a spectrum of zero is nature and 100 is release, I'm honestly at 50. My guess is that this will remain gray unless there is access to the Wuhan lab, and I suspect that is unlikely. This is February of 2020. The other guy had not been swayed one way or the other by the data available at the time. He said he'd be more 60-40, lab versus nature. Francis Collins clarified that Eddie is now arguing against the idea that this is the product of intentional human engineering, but repeated tissue culture passage is still an option, though it doesn't explain the O-linked glycans. I don't know what that means, other than it's very obvious that these scientists all agreed that they were trying to justify that this thing came from nature, and they had a hard time doing so. On February 4th, Francis Collins said, I'd be interested in the proposal of accidental lab passage in animals. Which ones? U.S. Right to Know reported that Fauci's concerned reply, question mark, question mark, serial passage in ACE2 transgenic mice, referenced the possibility that the virus could have acquired its furin cleavage site through serial passage in mice engineered with human airway cells. Sounds fun, doesn't it? I tell you, as I think about keeping the mice out of my shed for the winter, I certainly think mice engineered with human airway cells would be a hoot. University of North Carolina virus expert Dr. Ralph Barrick, who experimented on coronaviruses with Dr. Zhang Li Shi and received funding from Fauci's agency, reportedly shared transgenic mice with the Wuhan lab. So they were making Frankenstein out of the mice. I mean, Fauci's killed dogs, too, so why not Why not mess with the mice, right? Fauci couldn't let himself believe that such reckless experimentation would be done in Wuhan, writing, surely that wouldn't be done in a, BS2, a BSL2 lab, right? A low biosafety lab like that? The response by one of these scientists was Wild West, meaning the Wuhan lab was wild, the Wild West. No controls, not safe. Very dangerous. You would never want to do this kind of research there. Citing concerns from the Chinese in the Hubei province who believe that they were being lied to about the virus's origins, Edward Holmes wrote that things were made worse when the Wuhan lab published the bat virus sequence 
a bat sampled in a different province for which they have a large collection of samples. I believe the aim question here is whether we as scientists should try to write something balanced on the science behind this. There are arguments for and against doing this. The fact that Wuhan became the epicenter of the ongoing epidemic is likely an unfortunate coincidence, but it raises questions that would be wrong to dismiss out of hand. Our main work over the last couple of weeks has been focused on trying to disprove any type of lab theory, but we are at a crossroad where the scientific evidence isn't conclusive enough to say we have high confidence in any of the three main theories considered. Now think about that for a moment. They said they were trying very hard to disprove that this came from a lab, but they couldn't do it. You know why they couldn't do it? Because even though they had all these other theories about how it could have happened, they couldn't prove any of those. So they were purposely trying to prove that it did not come from a lab and they were coming up empty. Why? Well, because this came from a lab. That's why. On February 9th, Marion Koopmans, a Dutch virologist who is head of the uh, Department of Viroscience, emphasized to Anderson that she would not be in favor of publishing something specific on the lab escape hypothesis because this could backfire. So they recommended zooming out a bit for starters, describing that one of the key challenges is where this virus came from. Discuss some of the wild guesses out there. And I would leave lab escape for the discussion because putting that in the public domain as a hypothesis, in my view, will read as, see, they also thought so, meaning they also thought this came from a lab. Don't forget, in March of 2020, Fauci told CBS's Face the Nation that COVID-19 was an animal virus that jumped to a human. He told National Geographic in May 2020 that notwithstanding the concerns privately expressed by other virologists, there was no scientific evidence to suggest the virus had come from the Wuhan lab. Last month, ProPublica, in partnership with Vanity Fair, published a bombshell report indicating that the origin of COVID-19 was, in fact, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. So, you see, I think Fauci knew, I think Collins knew, I think they all knew this came from the lab, but they also knew that their gain-of-function research funding paid for it and created it, and they were trying to cover their tracks and lying to all of us at the same time. 877-381-3811. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zeolian, for the great one coming right back. Mark Levin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values, and I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and in our promo code levin podcast 
So, yeah, there's a lot we got to ask Fauci about, particularly as a new report came out today. It said the majority of people who've died of covid have been vaccinated, which, of course, is shocking, as they also buried another report that vitamin D levels may have a direct correlation with your ability to survive the virus. But again, uh, Fauci worked directly with the tech companies to silence, quote unquote, disinformation. If you remember anybody who went out of line and said anything uh, even about the lab origins of COVID, was promptly shut down and silenced. There's a lot to answer for. My theory, of course, is that we, we can now trace the gain-of-function research funding from Fauci's office and Collins' office. He's another one that should be hauled in uh, directly to the Wuhan lab. We know that they were experimenting with these viruses. Th- these guys admit it in these emails. They were working on this furin cleavage. They were working on these weird Frankenstein mice and the cells and the lungs and everything like that we they they created this thing and they knew that they did and they tried to lie and cover it up by finding a way they could justify this came from nature and because the media in this country the corporate media loved fauci and don't forget brad pitt played the guy on saturday night live he was a hero to people the nation's leading infectious disease doctor you actually have to say that by law whenever you say his name did you know that Well, they love him so much. So anything he said, they just went with gospel. So when he said, no, 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 this was this came from a bat. Everybody said, well, they came from a bat. And that's the end of it. And then if you argued something different, I actually remember there was a a, a lunatic in New York City who killed an Asian woman. It was a horrible thing. It was a terrible thing. He was a crazy homeless person who should have been never on the streets. He had a record and killed this woman. I remember the media actually said that. Those people that were arguing this virus came from a lab enabled the kind of Asian hate that led to this woman's death. They played the game that they always do. Your words lead to somebody dying. Your 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 rhetoric going outside what's what you're allowed to say will means people will die. And they and they push that out there. And countless times again, I had people in Philadelphia. There's this one councilwoman, Helen Gim, her name is, and she's awful. She's a Marxist. And she was out there saying over and over again that anybody who was saying this came from a lab was being racist towards Chinese people. I had never understood that because you could also suggest that it was something that they ate, that they have just awful eating habits. And that was acceptable by the left. But it's because they loved Fauci. Fauci was covering his tracks and they were happy to go along and cover his tracks for him. How many lives could have been saved if we got the truth? Who knows? We'll never know. But hopefully we'll find out exactly what his connection was to all this. Because I think his fingerprints are all over it. No question about it. 877-381-3811. I'm going to take some of your calls here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. In for the great one. We're coming right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. 
to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. Yes, it is the Mark Levin Show. The great one is getting ready for Thanksgiving. It's great to be with you tonight. You can find me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I host the Afternoon Drive Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You can always listen on the Odyssey app anytime you like. And I thank you for being here. I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you are having a safe trip if you're already on the road. So Fauci will face the fire, and there's a lot I want to ask him. I wish I could. I'm not a member of Congress, obviously, but I hope the Republicans really will do their job of oversight, not just in the gain of function, not just into the cover-up of the lab leak, but his efforts to silence anyone who tried to put out ideas that were inconsistent with the ideas that he was putting out, because he made it all about him. If you were out there discussing experimental treatments or vitamin D or something, they'd shut you down. And this matters. It really does. Because don't forget, in California, Gavin the Hare Newsom passed a law that says doctors will lose their medical licenses if they're out there pushing anything that is disinformation. So you see, in the totalitarian state of California and like many other blue states, they want to control the information. And instead of you having a right to hear from different doctors and maybe make decisions as an adult, they want to control the information. And anyone who does not put out what the state wants will then be taken off. You'll be kicked off. You'll be kicked off the doctor island. I mean, really, it's 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 the tactics of true authoritarianism to intimidate doctors into just repeating what the government wants them to say. That's not freedom. It's also dangerous to the public health, because how could we ever come up with new ideas and new experimental treatments if doctors are afraid to open their mouths because they're afraid the state's going to come in and kick in their door and take away their medical license. It's it, it's terrifying. And unfortunately, during COVID and still now, I mean, don't forget the recent report that came out that said the Department of Homeland Security has a back door into these tech companies to be able to silence any misinformation on everything from the Afghanistan withdrawal to um, race relations in this country, voting. You know, if you come out there and you suggest, for example, that um, having to show an ID is something that is okay. They can take that down. And of course, COVID, the pandemic, I mean, anything really. So it's still going on to this day, and Fauci should account for that as well. Uh, Brent calling from Los Angeles, the great 870. Uh, Brent, hey, it's Rich. How are you tonight on the Mark Levin Show? Blessings to you, Rich, and a very happy and holy Thanksgiving to you, your family, and all those at the Mark Levin Show. And do you think it would be moral and ethical to invite the evil Dr. Fauci to listen and respond to authentic doctors, researchers, and experts who have exposed and accused him of premeditated mass global murder, starting with posthumous evidence from righteous doctors such as Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and Dr. Luke Montagnier, followed by America's frontline doctors such as Simone Gold, Dr. Stella Emanuel, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. Robert Malone, Paul Alexander, Michael Yeadon, Jeffrey Tucker with the Great Barrington Declaration, uh, which is, I think, is out 100,000 to a million doctors, and Dr. Scott Atlas, Karen Kingston, and Archbishop Vigano? Well, I think that uh, there's a lot of doctors that would like to weigh in on this. I don't know how they'll structure it, but certainly I think it'd be good to hear from a variety of people that have questions about him. Brent, thanks for the call and for the well wishes, and you have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving as well, and blessings to you as well. You mentioned Dr. Scott Atlas. 
I actually have a clip of Dr. Scott Atlas, former Trump White House COVID advisor. Remember, the media hated him, too. They hated the idea of Dr. Atlas being there to advise Trump. And Dr. Atlas had some very critical things to say about Fauci. He didn't go as far as some of the other doctors that Brent mentioned did in terms of global genocide and that sort of thing. But he was very critical on Fauci, particularly when it comes to our children and particularly how Fauci has destroyed trust in public health. So since Brent mentioned Dr. Atlas, I thought I would play this clip for you. Cut 24. I think we should talk about Dr. Fauci's legacy, if I have a minute, because he's got a very important legacy. Number one, he presided over the biggest failure in public health history over two different presidential administrations. Number two, his policies were implemented and those policies shifted the burden of this illness from the affluent to the poor and incurred massive harm on our children, psychological damage, long-lasting damage, an obesity crisis, and we really haven't seen the tip of the iceberg on that damage to children, and again, worse on low-income and poor kids. And then thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, his underling, and many of these other people at the CDC and on the talking heads on TV have destroyed the trust in public health. We have a huge challenge as a country to fix what happened in his wake. Pretty bold right there, I'd say. I think there's a lot of doctors that want to weigh in on this. And, and, you know, it's not a bad idea to have the Republicans have doctors like Dr. Marty McCurry, for example. And Dr. Marty McCurry, who's an incredibly reasonable guy, have Dr. Nicole Sapphire. You always see her on Fox News. She's fantastic. Have them come and ask Dr. Fauci some questions. Doctor to doctor. They speak the language. I don't. Obviously, if I did, I would be saving lives right now and I wouldn't be on the radio or maybe I would do that. Who knows? But have those doctors come out and address Fauci. For example, Dr. Marty McCurry on Twitter a short time ago was tweeting out the story about vitamin D. He tweeted out this associations from nature.com between vitamin D supplementation and COVID mortality. And they found that supplementation of vitamin D3 was related to a 33% decreased incidence of COVID-19 infection resulting in 30-day death. But he asked the question, why is this study published now? Would have been good for Dr. Fauci slash NIH with its $45 billion budget back in 2020 to do this study then. He also points out, and he says 1984 is here, and I agree with him. Jay Bottichera was tweeting out, Dr. Bottichera, California public libraries embrace book banning, apparently expert bioethicists uh, A.K. Harati's ideas are too dangerous for the general public. It'd be a shame if people were to read the book anyway, wouldn't it? And he tweets out a link to that. This is what I mean. I mean, you, you have now where literal books by doctors are now being banned. You hear about book banning all the time from the left. They, they scream about this and the, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. What they mean is that, it, say I'm a parent and I oppose the idea of a graphic sex book in my kid's library at school. And I speak up about it and they take the book out. That's apparently a book ban. It's not a book ban. The book is still available in the United States of America. No, nobody's banning it. It's not illegal to buy it. It's not illegal to sell it. It's not illegal to read it. It's just that schools have to make decisions based on lots of things. Their budget, the space of the library, the curriculum, etc. I, I wonder how many school libraries in woke blue cities, the private schools, none of the elite private schools, of course, how many of them have Mark Levin's books in there out of curiosity? Hmm? 
Is that a book? Have they banned Mark's book or they've chosen instead to put in uh, liberal morons and their philosophies versus the great one? I'm asking the question. How many of them have Dr. Thomas Sowell in their libraries? Probably very few. But if you take out a graphic LGBTQ transgender book about how to chop off your body parts and you take that book out of the library, they scream book bans. These are medical books in public libraries being banned. And you don't hear a word about it. You don't hear anybody saying anything about this. But it's happening in this country because, unfortunately, there are so many people that are afraid, afraid to come out and say whatever is against the intelligentsia. And so they just bite their lip and don't say a word about it. Now, the reason why we heard Dr. Ja, the White House COVID advisor, even just yesterday, saying you got to get vaccinated and you need to wear a mask and you should think about wearing a mask again and blah, 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 is because Joe Biden wants to use the pandemic as his never-ending bank account to do whatever he wants to do. And the lawlessness of this guy never ends. So the latest thing is that he's come out and he said, all right, if you have not made a student loan payment, you haven't had to make it since March of 2020. Well, now we're going to extend that until the summer of 2023. It's already been extended this entire time. Nobody has had to make a payment or have interest accrue on their student loan debts ever since COVID came to this country, ever since we first heard of COVID. But the thing about it is now Biden's extending it again. As the Wall Street Journal put it, it's Biden's never-ending emergency around his student loan debt repayment because he's angry that the, that the courts have put it on hold. And the courts have said, rightly so, this is unconstitutional. Remember where Biden thinks he gets this power from, the HEROES Act, passed in the wake of 9-11, to say that debt can be canceled after an act of war, terrorism, or other emergencies. We don't have an emergency anymore. We're not in a state of emergency. We all know how to live with the virus. We, can, we all know what to do to keep ourselves safe. If you have to do what you got to do, you do it. We know at this point it's not an emergency, but to Joe Biden it is because then he can do whatever he wants. And in this case, he can spit directly in the eye of the court. So he's turned out and he said, while we're waiting for the Supreme Court to do this, to argue this, to hear this, I'm going to say nobody has to pay their student loan debts. At a cost of billions of dollars to the taxpayers, because somebody's got to pay that interest. It doesn't just sit there. So we're paying that interest. And then he turns around and he says, if the courts don't have this settled by June, then I kick it to August of 2023. And the real question is, will he actually ever make anybody repay student loan debt? I think the answer is no. So here's what I, I think will probably happen. I think the Supreme Court will likely say that this is an abuse of the HEROES Act. This was never the intent by the legislature, and we don't have an emergency anymore since Biden acknowledged that the pandemic's over. When he said that, and they were like, shut up, don't say that, zip it. But he said it a few months ago to Scott Pelley, if you remember. I think the courts will strike it down and then say that everybody has to pay their student loans. But then I think Biden's going to take his pen again and extend the student loan debt repayment under the guise of we're still in a pandemic. Why? Because it's a giant payoff. That's why. It's a giant payoff to millions of young people who are going to vote Democrat because they're afraid if the Republicans get in, they'll actually have to pay their student loans. It's a giant payoff to blue people. I don't mean the color blue. I mean the, who vote blue, who went to grad school and medical school and law school and all vote Democrat and have, have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt and will make lots of money in their lifetime. 
people that work in corporate America and will make lots of money in their lifetime, but they have student loan debt. This is a gift to them. This is a payoff to them. This is the Biden's way of saying the Democrats way of saying, hey, we feel your pain. They don't care about the blue collar truck driver out there who never went to college. They don't care that that poor sap's got to pay because they know that that guy's probably going to vote Republican. They don't care about him. They don't care about you if you're one of the people I'm talking about. I know there's a lot of truck drivers that listen to this program across the country. They don't care about you if you're a mechanic. They don't care about you if you're a blue collar worker, if you're working in a coal mine. They want you to they want to take away your job. If you work in fracking in Pennsylvania, they want to take away your job. They don't care about you. But if you went to grad school, you got a master's degree in French literature and, and well, yeah, they're gonna pay off your student loan debt for you. And who's paying that? The truck driver, the coal miner, the guy working in the fracking uh, industry. All those hardworking people are the ones who are going to be paying off the student loan debt of these elitist snobs who actually will always vote Democrat. And there's a whole crop of them coming up in corporate America right now. You know, the wokeism that is infecting corporate America has to do with the fact that it's like, as Bill Maher said the other day, the rot begins in academia. There are these times I agree with Bill Maher, and my head wants to explode. I go, whoa. But he said it, the rot begins in academia, the, the, this rot on the left in this country where they want to censor and control and, and, and shoot down anyone who disagrees with them, begins in academia. That's where they come up with terms like Latinx, which nobody really uses in life. But that's where it begins. It's the same people in Criminal Justice 101 who teach people that criminals are really the victims. See, because capitalism is so oppressive and America is so oppressive because Thanksgiving is oppressive. Yeah, there was a uh, piece by some professor in the Los Angeles Times who wrote this op-ed about stop celebrating Thanksgiving. We're a horrible country and we need to atone for everything. And Thanksgiving's awful and we're awful, too. That's the mindset of college professors. And they indoctrinate college kids, obviously, if they weren't already indoctrinated or they increase the indoctrination. And then they go and they work for corporations. And you wonder why at the heart of almost every corporation right now is diversity, equity and inclusion. Where do you think they're getting this from? And it is like a virus infiltrating corporate America. And also, a lot of these people go to law school, become lawyers and become prosecutors in places like Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, blue cities across the country. And they wind up letting criminals out. Because they think the criminals are the victims of capitalism because they've been indoctrinated into believing that in their woke criminal justice classes. And now law schools, too. 877-381-3811. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, your fellow Levinite from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Coming right back. Mark Levin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. 
Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and in our promo code Levin Podcast. But of course, the media will protest and try to defend Fauci as best they possibly can. No question about it. Uh, let us go to here on the Mark Levin show. Uh, Michelle is calling Michelle. Uh, hi, it's Rich. And for Mark, how are you? Fine. Thank you, Rich. Uh, oh, you're in Evanston. I, I didn't that, see uh, that. Evanston, Wyoming, right? Yes. Yes. Very nice. I have a few points to make, if you'll allow me. Um, sure. I don't have a ton I of time, though, so you have to make it pretty succinctly. Okay, succinctly, Lois Lerner also needs to be investigated because they all try to lay low. And we all investigate, but they destroy the justice system to a point where none of them, nothing happens to them. I've thought for a long time about <clears throat> the youth issue and the student loans and what they're being taught. Um, it's always the commie scheme. Rip off the producers, give it to the societal parasites. Now, the youth, if you consider, I've been thinking about it because I worked in a technical job. It takes top secret clearance many times and technical competence and to be a citizen to do this kind of work. If they can't tie their shoes and sign their name, how are they going to, you know, work on top secret technological stuff to advance the country? Uh, And... uh, I'm very disturbed about uh, a few, what, a week and a half ago, there was a an announcement by the University of Boston that they took the virus, the COVID, and they tweaked it and tested it on lab mice, and they announced that they made it 80% uh, lethal. But nobody's coming to say, hey, we're working on something that will prevent you from taking it, from uh, getting infected. The other problem is they suppressed a number of studies that began to show that every time you get infected with a variant, it quietly does damage to your internal organs every time. Oh, you know what? And I have to run. I'm up in a heartbreak, but they, they, they covered up a lot, Michelle, and that's why we need to have Fauci and hold them accountable. I appreciate the phone call. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We're going to get back into the issue of schools, our kids, the indoctrination, and Governor Ron DeSantis, should they change the law in Florida to allow him to run for president without resigning as governor of Florida? I'll tell you what Mark Levin, Mark Levin thinks of that. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. We got a lot more to cover. Our pre-Thanksgiving edition. We're coming right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program, and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The guy who is at the center of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, was the top donor for Democrats behind George Soros. He was also a big donor to the media. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight, getting ready for Thanksgiving. It is me, Rich Zioli, with you from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, where I do the afternoon show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's great to be with you tonight. Hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh safe one and have a lot of fun, too. And don't talk politics because nothing good ever comes from that. Nothing ever good comes from that. Fifteen states ask a federal court to keep Title 42 in place as the border crisis is set to get a whole lot worse. You know, when they called out Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of uh, of uh, DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security, and they said they want to they want to impeach this guy if he won't resign. And he's not going to resign. Obviously, they never do. These bureaucrats, right? They double down and their bureaucrat friends circle the wagons around them. One of the things they want to figure out is uh, how many times this guy has lied about the border being secure, because we know it's not secure, obviously. And how many times has this guy lied about things in general, like when he knew that the agents on horseback were not whipping any of the migrants, but he still allowed that narrative to go out there and he doubled down on himself? Well, on Monday, 15 states asked a federal judge to keep Title 42 in place. That's a COVID-19 era policy which allows Border Patrol agents to quickly expel immigrants from crossing the border into the United States. Last week, as they covered it, Title 42 was given an expiration date of December 21st. This is from townhall.com. The 15 states that asked the judge to keep the policy in place said that lifting Title 42 will directly harm the states and impose financial burdens on them. The states have sovereign and quasi-sovereign interests in controlling their borders, limiting the persons present within those borders, excluding persons carrying communicable diseases and the enforcement of immigration law. 
Whatever these aliens end up, they will impose financial burdens on the states in voluntarily hosting them. It was filed by the attorneys general of Arizona, Louisiana, Alabama, Alaska, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Now, Julio pointed out in his report that U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan granted the Biden administration's request for five more weeks until U.S. Customs and Border Protection quits enforcement of Title 42. Reportedly, the judge sided with immigration advocates, including the American Civil Liberties Union, that Title 42 is being utilized to enforce border security more than as a public health precaution. In his ruling, CNBC noted Sullivan cited the Administrative Procedures Act and described Title 42 as arbitrary and capricious. Title 42 took effect during the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic under President Donald Trump. The Biden administration kept the policy in place and attempted to end it earlier this year. A federal judge kept it in place. Some shelter directors near the U.S.-Mexico border are concerned about the impact lifting Title 42 will have in their communities. Many shelters are already at capacity with Title 42 in place, and states like Texas and Florida have sent migrants to sanctuary cities to help share the burden of the border crisis. Now, I want you to think about something for a moment. Joe Biden has just once again extended the student loan repayments to the summer of 2023. Why? Because COVID. See, this is what I can't figure out with this administration. Are we in a pandemic or are we not in a pandemic? Because we're in a pandemic when it comes to paying off students, uh, student loans, right? Then we're in a pandemic. Then because COVID, it's just too much on these kids. And we have to make sure that they don't have to pay anything, even though they had to pay, have not had to pay anything since March of 2020. Yeah, no, no, no. So, But when it comes to the border, we're apparently not in a pandemic. So we can't enforce Title 42, which gives them the ability to deport people who may be carrying communicable diseases. So I can't figure it out. Which is it? And that's because this administration is consistent on nothing. It is absolutely inconsistent on everything. I guess it's the only thing they are consistent on is their inconsistency. So you see, when it comes to the border, no COVID. There's no COVID and no reason to deport anybody because we were not in a pandemic. When it comes to some elitist kid living in some blue city with a master's degree in French literature, working as a barista with all the student loan debt for a degree that's absolutely useless, well, no, then we're definitely still in a pandemic and we definitely can't make these kids repay their loans. Now, I'm glad these states are doing this, and I just find it to be so incredibly rich that at the very same time, we have Health and Human Services authorizing a report recommending masks and distancing for long COVID. We're back to all this nonsense again, that masks and social distancing should be mandated or at least very much encouraged to to protect people from possible long COVID, according to a new report commissioned by the Department of Health and Human Services. The report by the independent research agency Coforma published on Monday was based in part in interviews with more than 60 people, including patients dealing with lingering COVID-19 symptoms. And now we're getting these warnings that with Thanksgiving coming, your Thanksgiving is about to become a super spreader event. So again, got to ask the question, are we in a pandemic or are we not in a pandemic? Because if we are in a pandemic and everybody should be masking up again, well, then why can't we use Title 42 to keep our borders safe and make sure people are not bringing in communicable diseases like perhaps, I don't know, the new variant of COVID they're talking about? 
Oh, yeah, I heard that scary report today. The new variant now. Completely resistant to any and all vaccines. But since most people have already had COVID, it's nothing to worry about since your natural immune system will be able to fight it off. But, of course, the scary headline is new variant that nothing can stop except your own natural immunity. Because, you know, if you. But anyway, it, so, again, are we in a pandemic or are we not in a pandemic? 877-381-3811 is the number here on the Mark Levin Show. John is in Ocean City, New Jersey. John. Love Ocean City. It is a great place to take the kids. How are you tonight? Not too bad. I feel like uh, General McClellan uh, was giving uh, Abraham Lincoln waiting for four hours, but it's all good. Um, oh, sorry yeah. for making you wait. We had a lot of calls tonight on the Mark Levin Show, so my apologies. Okay. That's cool, yeah. Now, from 1619 to 1624, 25 expeditions came over. It could be as little as three boats, or three ships, rather, or even 100 ships to a, to a, um, to a, a, a voyage. Okay, now, good and bad came over on those boats. Nobody can deny that. You can't just say it was all good. You can't say it was all bad. But, and they got involved with politics right away, too. So there's some things that we don't have a lot of control over. But we can, uh, we can fight back. And, uh, if the votes are our only way of fighting these people back, fighting back against these people, but there's got to be more to it, too, because actually John Quincy Adams, had, had Warren now retired from office, general of the Continental Army and president, the first president of our country, George Washington, that the Parisian Jacksons were now in America's shores. The Parisian Jacksons were evil people that fomented the French Revolution. And there were people on this side of the Atlantic. Where, where are you fighting. going with this, man? Uh, where, where I'm going with this is actually we're up against a shadow government, really. And even John, uh, it was actually John Robinson, uh, MI6 British Intelligence, who said, if you don't believe there's a shadow government controlling people behind the scenes, then you're certainly naive. But the thing is, is that it was a spiritual battle, then prayers would have to come into it, too. And also, I want to bring up, uh, was it, was, I lost my train of thought because I was on hold for so long. I know you can't do nothing about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say now. All right, take it easy, bye. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. You waited all that time for that. All right. Fair enough. I mean, you can get angry at me for being on hold. But, you know, the thing about it is that this is this is a radio show. And sometimes you get you get on the air and sometimes you don't. And uh, I'm just regretting taking that phone call at this point. So I apologize to you for making you wait. You don't have to be a you know a baby about it, man. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's a busy show. It's a national show. There's like 12 million people listening. I took your call. And uh, you use the time to whine about how long you were on hold. It does not seem to be a good use of time, in my opinion. But, hey, what can I tell you? Everybody to each his own. Let's try to take another call, shall we? Let's see who else has been holding for a long time. Mike is in Manhattan, New York. Mike, you are on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Rich? Quick question. Uh, I didn't know how to answer. 42 years old, 18 years on the job. We'll be leaving at 20 if you get catch my drift. Got your drift. Thanks for your service, alone. pal. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. I uh, paid my student loan off three years ago. So I am a person who definitely believes in paying their student loan off. But I was having a conversation with a family member, and I didn't understand how to answer this question. Uh, we're talking about how student loans and, and it being paid off comes out of debt to the taxpayer. When we bailed out the uh, the banks, I didn't hear this coverage. And I 
could not answer why I'm not hearing this coverage um, about bailing out the banks like we are about bailing out um, student loans. If the, if the answer is too big to fail, then I, I kind of have to agree with the fact that maybe the American people are too big to fail as well. Yeah, it's an interesting point, right? I mean, uh, we don't talk about the banks enough. Do you know that TD Bank, for example, quietly donated $500,000 to gender-affirming procedures for minors? I, I saw that in the Daily Wire today. It's a Canadian bank, TD Bank, but of course they're all over the country. $500,000 to gender-affirming procedures for minors. You know what that means. I mean, that's mutilation and, and uh, puberty blockers and things like that. Oh, absolutely. That I don't agree with either. But my point really is, is that why are we not getting the same coverage? If the American people and, and the barista who, who got a stupid degree uh, isn't big, too big to fail, then... All right. Sorry, we lost you there, Mike. Uh, look, I, 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 I kind of follow where you were going with that, but... Um... Certain words you can't say on the air, obviously. But I look, I think it's a situation where the the media is rooting for the Biden student loan debt repayment. That's why they, they're rooting for them. And they absolutely want this to go forward because this is a bribe. It's a bribe is what it is. Look, look I'm Philly, Jersey. I, I know this when I see it. In the old days, you had to be a little bit more creative about how you could bribe voters. You know, you'd hand out cigarettes back in the day. There was this whole scandal outside of Philly in the this Camden, New Jersey, where they were handing out uh, cigarettes to people. Was they used to give street money back in the day, and then they cracked down on that, so they would just hand out cigarettes, and they cracked down on that. Well, now we don't even pretend anymore. We just write massive checks to people and we send them out with a letter from the politician going, hey, here's money for you. Or what we do is we just erase money that they owe. And we do that, too. And this is a thing, you know, and it's 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 flat out bribery to a constituency and nobody calls it out for what it is. And they should. The people that are going to be the recipients of this student loan debt repayment plan are Democrat voters, period. And there and, and there's so many people in this country right now that are getting a government handout subsidy, something or other in one form or another. I don't think we talk about that enough. You know, in this last election, we heard all kinds of theories about why there wasn't a red wave. How about the fact that at this point, at least 40 percent of the people, maybe more, are getting a government handout in some way, shape or form? A, a, something from the government into their pocket and how much of that affects they're thinking as they go to vote because they know that if the Republicans get in there, that might be taken away from them and they might have to be responsible adults and actually have to pay their bills or go get a job. <laughs> Just a thought, right? 877-381-3811 ratcheting up the rhetoric. The left is at it again, blaming right wing media for the hate. Why do they keep doing this? This is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
I always check on Mark on Twitter. He's back on Twitter, obviously, Mark Levin's show, because he left Twitter when they decided to crack down on free speech. But since Elon Musk bought it, he came back. And I saw what his uh, tweet was earlier regarding this potential change to the law in Florida. So a Florida Republican leader is looking to amend state law to allow Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president without having to resign as governor. And the current law would require that he that he would. The state's resign to run law was last amended in 2018. It allows uh, elected officials, or rather, I should say, it forces elected officials seeking higher office to resign from their current post when seeking to run for another office where there might be an overlap in terms. DeSantis, of course, obviously was just reelected, as you know. So Florida's top Republican leaders say they are willing to change state law to smooth the way for Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president in 2024. Both House Speaker Paul Renner of Palm Coast and Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo of Naples, both of whom were sworn into their new post on Tuesday, agreed it would be a good idea to make it clear that DeSantis would not have to resign if he wound up becoming the Republican nominee. Republicans won super majorities in Florida's House and Senate earlier this month, allowing both of them to easily secure their leadership posts. The uh, the Senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo, addressed reporters and said she does not feel a Florida governor with presidential aspirations should be forced to resign. She said, quote, if an individual who's Florida governor is running for president, I think he should be allowed to do it, she said. I really do. It's a big honor and a privilege, so it is a good idea. Now, Mark said he agreed the law should be changed to allow DeSantis the ability to run, and, and I do too. And the reason why is because every other state, for the most part, has this point. And I think in this day and age, you can, you, you've got the technology that can follow you. I mean, whether you're, they always do this too. They, they always say, well, then you're not doing your job. First of all, sometimes in these situations, we have to come to grips with the fact that there's just not a whole lot you have to do all day long. And too often, and I'm not saying DeSantis is like this, but too often legislators sit around thinking of new ways they can make laws and do their job. And, and sometimes, you know, you don't have all that much that you can't do or designate to somebody else. But in the year 2022 or soon to be 2023, you got the technology that can follow you on the road. There's no reason why you have to be behind a desk in Tallahassee in this day and age. And I say that, too, about the presidency. I mean, the, the, the presidency of the United States allows you to go anywhere and be president. So, I mean, if Biden runs again, and I don't think he will, but if he does run again, it's not like he's going to resign to run. So why should DeSantis have to? I think it's a good point. Um, incumbents don't have to resign if they're the president. Trump didn't have to resign in 2020. I don't know what DeSantis is going to do, but I did think that was an interesting little nugget for you of where Mark stood on the issue. All right, we got a lot more to talk about before the show is over here on the Mark Levin Show, including the question of whether or not the media and their lies, absolute lies, about right-wing rhetoric is part of the problem in this country. I think you know the answer to that. Just how much did they lie and exaggerate? And what are they saying now that we know more about the shooter at that awful, evil tragedy in Colorado? I've got new details for you as well. It's Rich Zioli in for the great one. Coming right back. mind that uh, there is an effort to silence you and to make sure that you don't get out of line. No doubt about that. And they use the guise of violence 
to get you to shut up and not say anything. They also threaten the FBI coming to your house in a big suburban in the middle of broad daylight when armed agents come and arrest you, like what happened to a pro-life leader in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, a short time ago, and others as well, obviously. This is the Mark Levin Show. It's great to be with you tonight. Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, where I host the Afternoon Drive Show, which is uh, a lot of fun and way more fun than hosting the Morning Show, which I used to do. But I have young kids, and getting up at uh, 3.30 every day just wasn't that much fun, to be honest with you. But I'm sure that uh, you probably... Well, I also, too, love reacting to the breaking news of the day. And there's always so much breaking news in the afternoon. And obviously, on Mark's show, it's afternoon, perhaps, where you are right now. Because I know he's heard all over the country. And obviously, it might be only 5.30 where you're listening right now. Either way, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving and appreciate you being with me tonight. The question I want to ask is this. Is Riley Gaines a hater? Is she a hater? Riley's a champion swimmer. And Riley Gaines is now endorsing Herschel Walker in the race in Georgia. And I'll tell you something, it's really critical, I think, that Herschel Walker wins that seat. Has to happen. And Riley Gaines is a champion. She's an outspoken critic of allowing biological men to compete against women in sports. I don't know if you have any swimmers in your family. My my son swims, and it's very competitive. It's it's tough. I mean, these kids do a lot. They, they're constantly practicing. they got to get in the pool when it's chilly, you know, they got to swim. It, 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 it's a lot of work. They do winter swimming. So imagine like this, you know, you're you're a young woman and you've worked since you were really five years old uh, swimming competitively. I mean, that's how young they, they start. And you get to college and you, you're trying on the swim team and you get bumped for a dude or you are swimming and then a biological male beats you in the pool as what's happened with Leah Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, it's it's wrong. It's just flat out wrong. I mean, you know, I you should have to swim with your, your biology. That's it. You're born a man. You should you should swim with the men. If you're born a woman, you swim with the women. It's just the way it goes. It's it's just biology. It's science after all. And you can't change science. I thought that's what the left believed until it comes to the idea of transgender ideology, in which case then science becomes meaningless. Well, Riley Gaines believes very passionately in women's athletics and defending women's athletics. And she's out there on a national tour speaking about this. She's a champion NCAA champion swimmer. And she wants people to know that, yeah, you know what? These women work really hard and they deserve to be able to compete fairly. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But of course, to many people on the left, she's part of the problem. She's a hater. She, her thoughts on this give rise to the shooting in Colorado by the non-binary shooter who identifies as they, them. I mean, I'm sure in some twisted logic, that's what the left thinks. But she put out an ad for Herschel Walker in Georgia. Cut 27. I'm Riley Gaines, a 12-time NCAA All-American. And I'm Herschel Walker. For more than a decade, I worked so hard. 4 a.m. practices to be the best. But my senior year, I was forced to compete against a biological male. That's unfair and wrong. A man won the swimming title that belonged to a woman, and Senator Warnock voted to let it happen. Warnock's afraid to stand up for female athletes. Herschel Walker stands up for what's right. Yeah, it's a good ad. It's a very good ad, and uh, I'm glad she's out there saying this because it's important to say. Because we should be defending the right of women to compete in college sports. It's a no-brainer, in my opinion. But the Biden administration 
under the guise of Dr. Rachel Levine, who is transgender and is Biden's deputy director of health and human services, who used to be the commissioner of health in Pennsylvania. Uh, total kook, absolute kook. There was this um, email exchange between Dr. Levine and CHOP in Philadelphia regarding the literature to justify transitions and surgeries and everything. And the person at CHOP wrote back to Levine and said, I'm not aware of any literature, but uh, let's go make it up, basically. I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of the way it went. Well, under the Biden administration, gender-affirming care should begin at the earliest of ages, including allowing biological men to compete as women, even though they're not women, in sports, not only in college, but also in high school as well. That's the next thing the left is going to push. You'll see. It's, I mean, it's already happening across the country, but you'll see that. There's no question about that. And on this point, and I mentioned this earlier, all of the, the, the rhetoric by the media arguing that what happened in Colorado, that awful shooting in Colorado, happened because of right-wing media. And the things that are said, for example, if you don't think it's appropriate for someone to talk to a five-year-old or a fifth grader about oral sex, for example. Because in New Jersey, under the New Jersey curriculum that was passed, kids by fifth grade have to learn about oral sex. I hate to even say this on the radio. I do. I hate it. But this is, I have to say, because it's what's in the curriculum. You have to learn about oral sex, anal sex, and vaginal sex by the fifth grade. Why? What, what, why do they need to learn that? They, they shouldn't have to. But if I if you speak out against it, you're a hater and, and you give rise to the kind of rhetoric here. Here's Nicole Wallace on MSNBC trashing Tucker Carlson for giving a lot of time to hate. Cut number 10. And I think, Donna, the, the part of the story that makes people feel like it isn't about them should be thrust under the Klieg lights. I mean, everyone that spreads hate and there are hopes who were named in the coverage yesterday. I think Tucker Carlson gives a lot of airtime to um, hate toward the LGBTQ community. Um, a lot of elected Republicans do as well. And this tragedy um, has not shamed them at all. Not only that, but Stephanie Rule on MSNBC ignored the new information that the shooter is non-binary, which is transgender, and, and identifies as they, them, even trashing Rush Limbaugh from the grave. Cut number eight. The far right is dehumanizing, right? It, it, it is demoralizing the LGBTQ community and, and truthfully, any other community that is not white, heterosexual and straight. It's happening all across the country. Given that, where do we go from here? What do you do in your position? Charlie, you know this space so, so well. You were a longtime radio host. Yeah. None of it's new, right? Rush Limbaugh was the king of this kind of misinformation for decades. But for many of those decades, yes. he was the only one out there doing it. Why has it gotten so much worse? Because there's so many Rush Juniors out there? Yeah, there's a little bit uh, there's a little bit room in the space, you know, and, and, and Salem is a, a juggernaut. Uh, but it's also interesting to watch its transformation. It used to have hosts who were uh, reasonable, thoughtful. Well, anyway, hosts we, like can, we can cut it there, Steve. Thank you for that. I mean, you get the point. It, it's, it's not it's it's beyond even just talk radio and cable news. It's all these people spreading hate. Why? Because we we don't think our kids should have to learn these things in school that's hate or we believe like riley Gaines does that biological women should be allowed to compete fairly in sports that's hate why is that hate it's because the left decides that it's hate and they push that rhetoric and then if you disagree with them then you are fomenting violence or it's mega maga 
Here's a Colorado state representative attacking who basically now even blaming Trump for what happened in Colorado. Trump had nothing to do with what happened in Colorado. But of course, they don't miss an opportunity to bring him into the conversation as well. This is Colorado State Representative Brianna Titone, cut 12. Why have these attacks been on the rise? Well, I mean, look, it's happened over and over again. I mean, we saw the uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting and then just, you know, the last few years we've seen an uptick in the uh, number of bills that are anti-LGBT and especially anti-trans uh, coming from states all across the country. And this has been fueled by uh, a lot of people being emboldened by our former president. Uh, he's made it so that people can say whatever they want to say and think there's no consequences to that. But those actions do have consequences. And when you start throwing verbal bombs around, uh, there's going to be casualties. And I don't want to hear those people who are saying those things uh, say thoughts and prayers because they're the ones who are inciting a lot of this and emboldening the people who have these hateful thoughts. You know, the the shooter of the Pulse nightclub shooting is a guy named Omar Mateen, who was a radical Islamist terrorist who believed he followed Abu al-Baghdadi. He was a nut. I mean, he was he was an evil guy who was was a radicalized Muslim. And that had nothing to do with right wing extremism or, or white supremacy or any of the other narratives of the left. That's why they didn't say his name. You notice that in that clip? It's why they did not mention Omar Mateen. They just throw out post nightclub shooting and then they think, well, they hope that people will forget that that was actually a guy who did it out of hatred and was a terrorist and also probably gay himself, based on a lot of the reports that came out about him. Because they hope enough time has passed that you won't remember that. And so they can add it to the list of the white supremacist mega mega maniacs who go out there and do those things. It's 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 a effort to do so so that you're afraid to speak out because if they can get the suburban mom who doesn't want her kid learning about this stuff in the fifth grade to stay silent then they can win if they can get the um the attractive young college girl to to not speak out and voice her objection because she doesn't like the fact that she has to compete against a biological male then they win you know, if they can get the dad who's driving his kids around, a good-looking dad like myself, for example, uh, to not go to a school board meeting and, and speak out because he's afraid he's going to lose his job or something like that, well, then they win. And that's the goal, is to intimidate people into silence because that's what authoritarian regimes do. And let's face it, this Department of Justice weaponized itself under Merrick Garland and the and before him, too. I mean, what they did to President Trump was outrageous. But when they put out that school board's letter and tried to intimidate parents, they even invoked the Nazis. I mean, if you disagree with transgender curriculum in schools, if you disagree with the idea that you got to you got to play sports based on your biology, if you disagree with the notion of kids learning in fifth grade that, that Johnny can really be Susie, you're no better than the Nazis. This is uh, NBC's. Uh, Ben Collins again. He was all over MSNBC yesterday. Cut 13. There is a, a, a long history of this. You know, I, I talked to uh, this, this woman named Jennifer Merciesa, who's a rhetoric professor at Texas A&M. And uh, she was telling me about this thing called hate objects that come up in, you know, pre-fascist governments where they take people they describe as degenerates. Right. And, and you know, before Nazi Germany was, in fact, gay and gay people, people who played with, uh, you know, gender conformity. Uh, and they say they are contributing to the downfall of society. They are the reason that, you know, things cost more. 
that the crops aren't coming up, right? Um, we have been through this in the past. It's very dark. And the people playing around with this uh, don't take responsibility. They go right back into it. But uh, again, these bodies are not on the ground yet. Yeah. And they're being used as political props right now. Mm-hmm. See? Just like the Nazis. This political, it's, it's, it's the rhetoric that, fuel, that fuels this and feeds this. It's just to intimidate you into silence. I did find it funny, though, that... Um, this one of the survivors of the shooting, Barrett Hudson, was on MSNBC and he talked about how this actually could have been prevented and was promptly shut down. The the interviewer promptly shuts him down here. Uh, uh, you'll understand why in just a moment. Cut 18, please. There's so much hate out there right now that the gay bars are not safe. I told my friends that are drag queens, I was like, you got to get, you got to get a gun. You've got to protect yourself. I'm terrified for you to perform. There was just, even if I would have had a pistol on me at the time, I guess where he got me at, I wouldn't have had time to react. I am the way that I'm just dumbfounded on how Richard did. That's amazing. I'm stuck on that. I think, but if I have to give, oh, sorry, go ahead. So, Barrett, without without a safe place, we know that LGBTQ plus bars, clubs have been a safe place for people where they can go in and be themselves, whether they're a member of the community or not. And and you feel right now that you don't have that. I don't have that because one thing I've noticed, I go to I've been around the world, a lot of gay bars and security is very slim and. I, I get security security nowadays. Some of them can carry weapons. Some of them can't. I think for the uh, LGBTQ bar, you've got to get a security that can carry a weapon. I think that would make a world of difference, not just a security guard, but like security guards that can, that are, that can actually be armed. Barrett Hudson, I'm sorry we're having to have this conversation. Um, I, I want to thank you for your time. Obviously, you, you should be focused on your recovery and you're, you're spending some time letting us know your story. And I want to thank you. Probably should sound the interview. The guy starts talking about packing heat to uh, defend himself or have an armed guard there to defend himself. That, again, goes outside the narrative because now that they know that the shooter was actually non-binary, a member of the trans community uh, themselves, because you got to go them, they, them. Well, now they're just going to turn the focus back to the guns. So then, you know, a good guy with a gun can't be around bad guys with a gun. You know that. So they'll just shut that down again and then just now proceed to make. They, they tried the rhetoric. They tried right wing radio hosts. They tried TV. Now it'll just be back to the good old fashioned, just attacking guns again like they always do. This is the Mark Levin Show. Our final segment straight ahead. Mark Levin. Listener Marks for a long time, and uh, he's a great guy, and he's a great friend, and uh, he certainly has always been very helpful to me in my radio career. I remember years ago, I was listening to him, and he was, he read uh, George Washington's first Thanksgiving proclamation uh, before Thanksgiving, obviously, and I thought that was great. It was really cool to hear it, so I thought I would do the same thing right now so you can hear it because i think it's one of those things where you're obviously going to have the left malign the holidays they hate america and they want to trash it and everything like this but the first proclamation was by president george washington 1789 by the president of the united states a proclamation where it is is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty god to obey his will to be grateful for his benefits 
and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend that assigned Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these United States to the service of the great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. Now, it goes on a little bit, and I don't have time to read all of it, but I just wanted to share with you this last line, that Thanksgiving will be to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows how to do best. There you go. So happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and remember that we have a wonderful, beautiful country, and say thanks to everyone who keeps it safe for us. This is Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, Mark's hometown, saying thank you for letting me hang out with you. I'm thankful to you, and I hope to see you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night. 